The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, or for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. Always consult with a mental health or healthcare professional before engaging in any activities promoted in this podcast. Have you ever wanted to be a superhero? Join clinical psychologist Dr. Janina Scarlett and host Dustin McGinnis as they explore the psychology behind your favorite TV shows, movies, books, comics, video games, and more. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time geek. So on this episode, we will be examining the upcoming graphic novel, Diana, Princess of the Amazons, which is published by DC Zoom, written by Shannon Hale and Dean Hale, and illustrated by Victoria Yang. Hi, I'm Diana. Can you believe my mother made me out of clay? I live on an island of Amazon warriors. Life here is lonely and boring. Since I'm the only kid, and the grown-ups are too busy to play, I'll have to make my own friend to play with. She'll join me on all of my adventures and help me prove that I'm a real Amazon. But is she really the right kind of friend? We are very honored to have New York Times bestselling authors Shannon and Dean Hale as our special guest today. Thank you both so much for being on our show. Yeah, it's great. Thanks. Thank you for inviting us. <laughs> so would you mind telling our audience a little bit about yourselves? Sure. We are married. We have four kids. We've been married for almost 20 years. I started publishing books about 20 years ago and have published uh, 35 or so novels for young readers up through adults. And then Dean and I have done about 15 books together. Yeah. We do the Princess in Black early chapter book series. We've done a number of graphic novels, including this one, Diana, Princess of the Amazons, and what else? It seems like we do a lot. Yeah, we did the Squirrel Girl book. Well, I'm trying to think oh, yeah. of Super Girl. <laughs> Squirrel Girl. <Yeah. laughs> Love Squirrel Girl. Marvel, uh, yeah. yeah. We did Rapunzel's Revenge, which is technically a superhero. It story. is, absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. You guys have done so much, both together and separately, and I just think your books are incredible. I am a fan. I have to say, I read Diana, Princess of the Amazons, and I think it's fantastic. I'm so grateful that the two of you put together such a wonderful origin story for Diana and something that's so relatable for a lot of children, fortunately and unfortunately relatable. And I think regarding topics that a lot of kids and parents need to be talking about. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah most definitely. Besides the fact that Wonder Woman is just awesome, what encouraged you guys to write Diana, Princess of the Amazons? Well, the awesomeness went a long way. <laughs> Did you guys read a lot of comics? Just to be curious. Yeah, no, I share a job with Dr. Scarlett in that I'm a full-time geek. So <laughs> it's been, yeah, no, no. I, I, I grew up on, on comics and superheroes, and, you know, they shaped my moral compass for good or ill. I did not grow up with comics. I didn't have any access to them at all as a kid. I didn't get into comics until I was an adult through teen. But I did grow up on the Linda Carter Wonder Woman television show, which we did not miss. We watched it while wearing our underoos and spinning in time with her, and it was amazing. And the original, uh, the Christopher Reeves Superman movies, 
which we yeah. loved. Even Superman three. Yeah. We yeah. didn't about, know any but better. How about Superman four. We actually <laughs> could not get through Superman four. Mm. I did. I, <laughs> I never saw it all the way through, and I saw Superman one probably. I mean, at least a hundred times. Yeah. You know, you know when you grow up in the eighties and you get your first VHS player and you have like five movies. Yeah. You see those movies a lot. Yeah. Oh, most yeah. definitely. I had flashbacks of being in underoos and tying like a towel around me with a safety pin and. <laughs> Jumping off my parents' car and everything. I, uh, but... They were underwear. No one told me. I just... <laughs> the costume. <laughs> they, yeah. I wanted to live in those. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's underoos. Great Minerva. It's a real change of underwear. Wearing underoos is fun. And you can choose from more than one. There's Wonder Woman. And she's There's Aquaman. There's Spider-Man. buy underoos where you buy underwear. It's underwear that's underwear. Well, you know, recent research studies are actually finding that when we wear either a cape or a tiara or some kind of a symbol of our favorite superhero, it keeps our attention on boring tasks longer. So if you're ever doing your taxes or house <laughs> chores, you know, dressing up as your favorite superhero is likely to make it more fun. I 100% believe that. Uh, Dean and I heard a news story years ago that affected us about there was a girl in high school who was a mascot for her high school football team you know and she wore like an animal mascot mm -hmm. like a panther or a leopard or something yeah, yeah. and she could do was it a backflip yeah she could do a backflip while she was in costume but, but she could not do it when she was out of costume wow there's more support for that Gina. <laughs> for that research study. Yeah. and that's actually affected some of our stories we write these princess in black books and by day she's princess magnolia and she wears her fluffy pink dresses and her glass slippers and she very much enjoys that but when she fights monsters she puts on a mask and a cape and and changes into the princess in black and a lot of people ask us, you know, why does she change her costume? There doesn't seem to be a reason why she has to have a secret identity. Yeah. And we do it because, first of all, it's just fun. It's yeah. fun to wear a cape mm -hmm. and to have a secret That's identity. That's her work clothes. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Mine too. It makes you feel more capable. It makes you feel braver uh, yeah. to be able to do something that you might not have felt brave enough to do alone. In fact, there's a line in the book where the, uh, Princess Magnolia is afraid of snails, but the Princess in Black is not. Yeah. Wow. Okay, we need to read some Princess in Black books now. <laughs> yeah. So when thinking about the origins of Wonder Woman, the loneliness and the isolation she must have felt growing up as the only child in Themyscira would seem kind of obvious, but it's oftentimes overlooked. And this book captures her longing for connection very effectively. What inspiration do you both draw upon to develop this theme in your story? Loneliness. <laughs> Isolation. It's it's not that being raised by memory. only women. Yeah, <laughs> it's an only child raised by a single mom. Yeah, and so he grew up lonely. Yeah, yeah. By default. Yeah, and socially awkward. And, you know, so there were no other people. <laughs> no. I was one of five, and I could only dream of being lonely. I think that all of us, no matter how big or small a family we come from have felt lonely and sometimes it can be more disturbing to feel lonely when you're not alone yeah. when there's a lot of people around there's friends there's family you know I shouldn't be feeling lonely and yet mm -hmm. you do 
And so even though in our story, Diana is literally the only kid in her world, she literally has never had a friend her age, never had the experience to have someone relate to her directly, to her life experience directly. Um, still, all of us have felt that feeling before and can relate to it. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. Most, most definitely. Dr. Scarlett, on a psychological level, how would this type of environment affect adolescent development? I think loneliness is something that very much, as Shannon and Dean said, just about every single person has experienced. And unfortunately, it's something that we often don't talk about. I think that loneliness is something that can trigger a sense of disconnection, right? When we are surrounded by other people who seem to be happy, who seem to have it all together, might make us feel alone in the world and in terms of having no one to relate to. And I think the book really captures that in terms of Diana feeling too young to be able to participate with other Amazonians or to be allowed to participate anyway, and yet too old to be babied and played with. I think that it's something that is probably at the core of human suffering. We are made to be social. We're made to have the sense of love and belonging. And when we struggle to obtain that through social disconnect, that's what can breed depression and suicidal ideation and a number of difficult and painful experiences. You know, as a former refugee, I really struggled with both depression and trauma as a kid and thought really truly believed that I was the only one that was going through that and I'm so grateful that through the exposure of two superheroes was able to see wait a minute there's so many fictional characters mm -hmm. and therefore real life individuals who are also going through loneliness and I think it's books like these books like Diana Princess of the Amazons that are going to highlight that for children that are going to demonstrate to kids and adolescents that hey you're not alone that you're just like Wonder Woman you might be experiencing this feeling of being alone in the world, and yet this is actually this universal glue that binds us together. That's our number one goal when we write books. We write a lot of fantastical stories, science fiction, fantasy, superhero stories, but we always want to be completely honest with the emotions on the human level, the relationships between people. It doesn't matter if they're not superheroes or real people, relationships and emotions need to feel real. And our hope always, always is that a kid who has never seen themselves represented in a story can find that either through our books or there's so many, so many great books written by so many great authors that have different life experiences than we do out there now, which is fantastic. It's so hard for kids to put into words what's happening to them. It's so hard to understand sometimes these complex emotions and situations but when they can see it laid out in a book, and I think even more profoundly in a graphic novel where you mm -hmm. also have the visual, they can understand better and put themselves into context and then explain to someone else, they can point to this that picture. This is how I feel. I right. feel like this. And to even be able to communicate that, I see with our own kids, if they can just see that we understand how they feel, even if we don't or can't fix it, that does so much. Absolutely. And I think you've done that. You've done such a wonderful job at creating that common experience that I think just about every person of probably any age can point to this book and say, that's me. I've been there. As an outsider, I mean, Shannon has written a couple of graphic novels that are memoirs that are about her when she was 
Yeah, how, how old were you in the first one? Uh, elementary school, and then the second one is sixth grade. And they're about struggling with anxiety and, and with, you know, just those kind of liminal areas when you're changing into somebody else. And so often, you know, I'll be off to the side with Shannon at a book event, and someone will come up to her and talk to her about this book and say, how did you know about my life? Mm-hmm. How did you know that this is, you know, they related to it. But the book is so specifically her experience, and yet it's shared by so many others. I was really kind of blown away by that, frankly. It was when I wrote that first memoir, the whole time I'm having all those doubts of like, who cares that someone was mean to you in fourth grade, Shannon? (laughs) Nobody cares. You know, it's not like I had a big dramatic childhood or, or traumatic events or anything, you know, historical or newsworthy to report. My goal was just to be honest with how it felt to be that age. And it was amazing how many people said I felt the exact same way. And someone told me the more specific the story, the more universal it becomes. Rather than trying to make a story that is, I don't want to say bland. Sort of lowest common denominator. Right. But like kind of like softening the edges and, and sanding it off all smooth so that it can feel like making a character less specific so that anybody can step in and identify with them. Rather than do that, make the character extremely specific and the situation extremely specific. And the magic of storytelling is that a person can then come in and still identify. Because when we read stories, the fundamental language of it is emotion. Mm -hmm. The whole purpose of telling a story is to help a reader feel a feeling. When we use the craft of art and words to create an emotion, and it takes time and skills to, to develop those skills and to be able to communicate that. And then when a reader feels the same thing that a character's feeling, there's a bonding and there's a feeling of being seen and there's comfort that the reader takes from that, that I am not alone. There's a basis of connection. Absolutely. I think it was Maya Angelou that said, people will forget what you did and what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. (laughs) It's beautiful. I need to use that quote with my mom because she's always lamenting all the things that she did that I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) And all I remember is it was good. (laughs) (laughs) So superheroes all have origin stories. And although her narrative has changed over the years, Wonder Woman's initial origin story relates that she was made from clay and granted powers by the gods. This book expands on the notion of this narrative in a clever way. Diana has heard this tale of her birth multiple times by her mom, and inspired by her own story, and as the result of her loneliness, Diana takes some leftover clay and attempts to make herself a little claymate. This is... (laughs) (laughs) Good, we had not thought of that word. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you. I mean, it's it's adorable, and it's a little heartbreaking at the same time. Can you discuss how this idea came about? Yes. DC was awesome when yeah. they approached us and said, would you like to write a book? And they kind of opened the vault. Yeah, they and said, said what, what, do you, what do you want to write about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is an amazing thing. And, oh. and also they told us we didn't have to worry about continuity. We didn't have to worry about what comics friends were saying now or mm-hmm. making who sure. was dead currently yeah. or yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we could tell a standalone story and just uh, assume for readers that have, especially young readers who may have never read a Wonder Woman comic before. When we chose Wonder Woman, the thing that really intrigued us was her as a kid. Yeah. I mean, such a fantastic storytelling premise, being the only kid yeah. in your whole world. Yeah. The issue is baked right in there. Yes. Yeah. 
And I had just been writing these graphic novel memoirs that really are about friendship, about friendship at the elementary school age. So that was really on my mind. And we knew we wanted to explore the idea of friendship and, and being able to feel seen and understood. And how do we get her a friend in this context? And so one of the ideas that occurred to us that just kind of stuck was story. Why don't we have her literally make a friend? Yes. <laughs> it is heartbreaking. It is very yeah. sad. Yeah. I think it's actually the book is heartbreaking for adults, but it's not for kids. The same with my graphic memoirs. Adults often read these books and go, oh, this is too much. This is really sad. And the kids read it and they're like, finally, somebody. <laughs> yeah, it's just is, like this. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> I, re- I remember when I first started writing, when I would travel around and speak to kids, I've done hundreds of presentations in, in schools, and I would often ask kids what they're reading. And so many kids were reading A Child Called It. Do you remember that memoir? I actually do not. It was a heartbreaking story of child abuse, a true story. And it's not written for children, but all these kids were reading it. And I think so many of them were like, it's me. (laughs) Because that's how kids feel, you know. Um, I am abandoned. I'm left in a closet. Yeah, yeah, it feels that way. I have to do my chore, therefore my parents don't love me. And and those are very real emotions. Somebody said that all childhoods are sad because that's when you first discover sadness. Kids feel really seen and relieved when we're really honest with them about emotion and just show them sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes friends betray you. Sometimes you don't have friends and you feel alone. It's really hard. And if that's as much as the story does, it's enough. Definitely. Well, when reading this book, I couldn't help but reflect on children and their connections with imaginary friends. Dr. Scarlett, can you comment on the psychology of imaginary friends, specifically with regard to Diana's experience? Not just imaginary friends. I think any kind of parasocial connections that we make can be really meaningful, right? So for some individuals, it becomes an imaginary friend that fills in the void of having a friend is essentially a surrogate friend. Whereas for others, it might be fictional characters like superheroes Mm -hmm. that fill that void. I think a lot of times when we feel either lonely, rejected, disconnected, or perhaps misunderstood, we might try to fill in that void somehow. And I think that's why a lot of people are so excited by the idea of superheroes and other fictional characters that they can relate to. And so again, whether it's an imaginary friend or whether it's this kind of parasocial relationship that people establish with a fictional character, I think they serve a very important role in that they become a surrogate friend to help that individual through that excruciating moment of loneliness and disconnection until that role is filled by hopefully in the future by an actual human being that can understand that individual yeah so as we were discussing diana has success making herself a little friend her friend's name is mona and mona is actually a very bad influence on her she often encourages diana to break rules and do bad things and i mean we find out later in the book why but shannon and dean you two have four children together so i know you have the experience with let's call it the playful insubordination that kids display to us all what are your thoughts on peer pressure though i hate it Well, unless they're really good friends, then I love it. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. when we tackled this particular story, I think we were really mindful 
of our kids and our relationship with them. This story, although it seems fundamentally to be a friendship story, but I think the heart of it is really a parent-child story. All the things that happened are triggered by the fact that the relationship between the mother and daughter is not where it once was. It's a feeling that we saw expressed a lot from our kids that they miss being little. They miss being Mm -hmm. babies and toddlers when everybody was like, you're so cute all the time. And they got so much attention because, of course, if you didn't give them attention, your house would be torn apart joint by joint. Or they would die. (laughs) Or they would die. And now they're older and more independent, but they miss that constant feeling of being loved. Instead, it feels like everything they do is wrong. They're constantly being corrected. And adults, and I find myself falling into it sometimes, we can get into this state where we're like, okay, now you're older, so hurry up and grow up. so that Adult you can, or infant. You can, yeah, right. Yeah. One or the other. And yeah. we forget to give them that leeway, that time to be in the middle, that time to make mistakes and, and keep growing. And I have a lot of sympathy for Diana in this book. She makes some mistakes, but, you know, she's a kid. She's going to grow up to be Wonder Woman, but we can't expect her or any kid to be perfect. We need to allow them some space to make mistakes. And although the mistakes hurt her, and I'm sure she wishes she didn't make them, they still made sense why she did what she did at the time. The stakes for keeping that friend are so high yeah. mm-hmm. that you don't want to lose. I mean, you know, that you feel that way anyway with any friend when you're a kid, but when this is the only possible individual that could be a friend your age, you want to stretch to try and keep that. Yeah, the fear of losing that friend is, it feels like life and death. Yeah. And we wanted to communicate that through the story. This is life and death for her to keep this friend Unfortunately, she's manipulated, and a lot of it is not her fault, but she's the girl that grows up to be Wonder Woman, so of course she's going to take responsibility, and she's yeah. going to jump in and right the wrongs that she can. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Scarlett, can you discuss the psychological power of influence and peer pressure on young people? We know that, especially for teenagers, the idea of not fitting in feels like life and death very much, as Shannon just pointed out. When we feel this sense of disconnection, it actually feels like we're dying. And there's a an evolutionary reason for that. In the past, if we were not a part of a tribe, we couldn't survive. And so we're biologically pre-wired to seek that sense of connection. And so as a result, I think that especially when people are in adolescence, they want to make sure that they fit in in every way possible. And so it's because of that, peer pressure becomes something that a lot of people unfortunately fall prey to because uh, they would do anything, I think, sometimes to be a part of a group. And for Diana, who's been so lonely for so long, who's finally got a friend, a best friend, somebody that's her age, somebody that doesn't judge her, somebody that isn't just waiting to punish her and criticize her. I think having this friend means everything. And so I think that she's trying to do everything that she can to maintain that friendship. And this is her survival mechanism, I think is completely understandable in Diana's case and in the case of a lot of people out there. Yeah. At the end of the story, due to some of the poor choices Diana made and Mona's influence, all hell literally breaks loose and Diana has to search within herself for the confidence and bravery to help the Amazons fight all these monsters. Her story now becomes that of the hero's journey. 
Dr. Scarlett, can you discuss what the hero's journey is and the psychology of heroism? So psychologically speaking, when we talk about the hero's journey, it starts with an origin story. It starts with maybe a traumatic past or maybe some kind of a painful event. So for Diana, it looks like it started with this sense of loneliness, this growing alienation that she experienced as she was getting older and older with not fitting in. And then there is a call to some kind of a heroic adventure, which for a lot of individuals who've been through something painful, like Diana has, means doing something to help other people. And so when she sees that the monsters have broken loose, she does everything she can, even risking her life to make sure that she's able to help the other Amazonian warriors. In real life, the way that that would look is somebody who had been through, let's say, bullying or alienation or assault of some kind, potentially standing up for other survivors, showing up for their friends or for other individuals. And so... For a lot of people, their origin story will often allow them to learn ways to become the hero of their own journey by helping other people in similar situations. And we see that here in Diana. Yeah, most definitely. Shannon and Dean, after hearing that, how influential is the hero's journey with regard to writing a superhero story? Totally is. It's baked into the DNA, and I think we will want to follow some form of that when we're telling a story, whether we want to or not. Something that I really like about this story, and we were talking about a little bit earlier about how kids might identify with her. When I think about the kids who identify with her making mistakes, whatever, being imperfect, feeling alone, but knowing in the back of their mind who she becomes... I feel like that gives you the confidence to be the hero of your own story, to be able to be like, okay, this person was like this, and they ended up awesome. I mean, I love prequel stories generally, like because of that reason, when they do that kind of, these are the little ingredients that eventually end up to be the Superman you know. Or Right. It's, 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 it's the flaws in the humanity that, you know, builds that connection with them. Yeah. Right. That Diana, here's Diana as a kid. I know she's going to become Wonder Woman. It feels impossible for me to ever be as amazing as Wonder Woman. But look at her as a kid. She's like me. She felt lonely. She felt misunderstood. She made mistakes. So maybe it's also possible for me. So awesome. This is uh, actually a great time for us to end this episode of Superhero Therapy. Dean and Shannon, it has been such a pleasure having you on our show today. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been great. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. Would you like to add anything else or let our audiences know the best way to contact you, possibly on social media? I'm on Twitter at Hale Shannon. I'm on Twitter at Hale Spawn, but really, <laughs> I just retweet and like things. I, I love the play on words. She's there. such a misanthrope. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but uh, Janine and I are actually married as well. So it's cool to to be working with husband and wife duo partners, <laughs> d- dynamic <laughs> duos, and we are one ourselves. So, uh, so you guys get it. You understand. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so great to be able to do something with your own partner in crime. <laughs> yeah. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful day and know that you are a superhero.